two Irish citizens are in the process of being repatriated to Ireland uh, from Turkey, uh, the, according to the Turkish government yesterday afternoon. Now, it's understood that the two, Lisa Smith and her daughter, although one report suggests it's Lisa Smith, her daughter, and another woman who is the wife of a naturalised citizen. Now, so I'm not too sure exactly which ones it is. But the Turkey Turkish Interior Ministry has said... Then it had deported an American, a Dane, while Germany confirmed that one of its citizens is also being expelled. Uh, Turkey said at the weekend it was starting to deport captured foreign Islamic uh, state terrorists uh, to their native countries. Uh, they also were disappointed as well that many countries didn't want them back. Uh, they wanted to make them stateless. But we'll get around to talking about that in a few minutes as well. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I want to know, does it concern you? A lot of people are talking about Lisa Smith today and the concerns we have over her as an individual. I don't personally believe that she's a huge danger to us personally. Uh, but may you never know. And they want people are asking what's going to happen when she gets here. Will she be arrested? Will she be taken to the Special Criminal Court and charged with being a member or a supporter of a terrorist organisation? I want to know what you think. Are you concerned about it? Let me know. The number is 087188 But on the line to talk more about it and give us more details is Dr. Tom uh, Clonan, who is the security analyst and columnist with the journal.ie. Uh, Tom, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Tom, okay, look, just for those people who don't know, and actually, we were having a conversation this morning, and one person turned around and went, Who's Lisa Smith? So, for those people who don't know, of course, Lisa was a supporter three years ago. She went over, she married uh, a known member of ISIS. Um, she's a supporter. She said in her own words at one stage that the caliphate may have collapsed, but the fight goes on. So, she still does support ISIS. Yeah, but I, th- I think people should reflect on how Lisa Smith got to um, the caliphate in Syria. Um, so she went to Tunisia initially uh, in 2015, and she was in Tunisia um, being radicalized and meeting up with Islamic State sympathizers when Islamic State carried out an attack at the Royal Marahaba Resort in Sousse, in which three Irish citizens were executed. Uh, on the beach at Seuss, uh, two women and a man, uh, just innocent Irish citizens on their, on their holidays. I remember that. I remember there was a horrific story at the time. Yeah, absolutely. and it was a big international story. Um, and Lisa Smith would have been aware of that. She would have been familiar with it. And these acts were carried out uh, in the name of and by her newfound friends. She then. She also uh, probably would have been familiar with individuals who were responsible for that, or certainly. Well, she may, she may have been, and yeah. I think this is something uh, that maybe we could talk about later in terms of the value that she might represent in terms of her intelligence value to ourselves uh, and to the, uh, and particularly to the UK authorities. So she then, um, throughout the year 2015, this was the year that Islamic State were publishing all these videos online of the, you know, the beheading of Coptic Christians in in. Uh, in, in North Africa, the, the killing and mass beheadings of, of Syrian troops, of, of aid workers, of journalists, any, any Westerner who found themselves suddenly overtaken by the caliphate's advance in Syria or in Iraq. Um, and so knowing all that, she went there, right to the very, very heart of the caliphate in Raqqa province. Um, and, you know, she, did, she was there in 2016 um, during the attacks on... Uh, nice, where people, 85 men, women and children were mown down by a Tunisian-born French citizen who, uh, you know, w- w- 
claimed membership of Islamic State, the, the killings of people in Christmas markets, the, sh- the French Bataclan uh, theatre attacks in Paris. And she, she was there for all of that. In the and heart. would have been very much aware of what was going on. The whole world was aware of it. And, mm-hmm. and we were aware of it because Islamic State, that's a, that, that, that's a big part of their kind of uh, terror strategy is to, is to communicate uh, on all platforms their, their terror. And that's designed to drive a wedge between communities to, to make uh, innocent, millions and millions of innocent Muslims feel under hostile scrutiny. But she's there. By her own admission, she lived in what was called a madafa, or literally a woman's house. And the way Islamic State worked Nile, was they would put all the French speakers together, they would put all the English speakers together, uh, and keep them together in those kind of uh, language groups. So she would have been part of a community of jihadis, so-called jihadis, um, from the UK, from Scotland, from England, from Northern Ireland, from Ireland. Uh, and we believe up, up to 30 uh, Irish passport holders uh, were in the caliphate uh, fighting for Islamic State so she'd know who these people are and um, so for that reason um, And are all of these people going to be returned to us? Well you see the, the problem is all of these people there were about estimates varied between 2,500 to 4,000 um, foreign fighters from all over Europe and the world were detained in the Kurdish controlled camps um, in northern Syria until the 9th of October, just a couple of weeks back, when Turkey um, came across the border in what they call Operation Peace Spring, and President Trump, in his wisdom, abandoned his Kurdish allies, and these thousands of foreign fighters were released, and Lisa Smith is one of them. Uh, She escaped, and she was lucky, actually. I'm amazed that she survived her liberation, if you could call it that, because, uh, you know, some of those people were were murdered uh, by... Uh, you know, locals who are very angry. Mm-hmm. Some of them, some of them murdered each other. Um, I know that the Islamic State uh, women in the camp were very, very dangerous. They had killed a woman and her daughter, and dumped the bodies of both in in a well in one of the camps because mm-hmm. she was seen to speak to foreign reporters and kind well, of. That's what the, the Shabima Begum had said at the time that she was afraid to speak because she thought that other women that she would put herself in danger if she turned her back on the Islamic State. And so this is the kind of group that. Uh, Lisa Smith, by her own admission, says that she was a high-status member, that she enjoyed certain perks. And she also, you have to understand that in the villages and towns that that, that Islamic State occupied, they did it at gunpoint, and they imposed Sharia law on the poor locals. I mean, 14-year-old boys were executed in, in, in public, you know, decapitated for listening to Western music, you know, for smoking a cigarette. And they, that's she lived in that space for all that time, so for her to claim that she had nothing to do with it or she wasn't aware of it is just not credible. Well, when she was a, when she was originally interviewed by ITV, of course, she claimed she was British, or well, they assumed she was British. And as I mentioned already, the words that she used was that Caliphate may have collapsed and been defeated, but the fight goes on. But yet, in her recent BBC interview, and let me just play a clip of this here for people who didn't hear it. I'll just play 30 seconds of it here. She, she seems to have changed her tune a lot. If you ask me, am I going to hurt anyone? No. Have I any intentions to do anything? No. I'm just interested in trying to bring my daughter up and get her educated. I don't even think I'm radicalized, you know. All I know is I just came to an Islamic state and I failed. So at the beginning, I didn't come to kill anyone. (laughs) And when I was there, I didn't kill anyone. And when I go home, I'm not going to kill anyone. I just think I'm, I'm the same, you know. 
She's trying to come across now in that interview, comparison to the first time they spoke to her, as somebody who's very normal, very stable and not interested in any violence. And and she said she didn't kill anyone, but yet she stood side by side with people who did grotesquely kill people. Well, she was part of the system and she enabled it and supported it. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, that's she's a participant in it. I mean, under, under the rules of engagement, the international laws of armed conflict... Um, she is de facto a combatant because she's part of the the, the organisation providing, you know, logistical support. But just by being there, by, by, by having the membership. But the, the thing about this, Niall, though, is that she, the, I, I mentioned the foreign fighters that have been released. So there's, there's about between 2,500 and 4,000 of these foreign fighters from, from around Europe now on the loose. Um, and they have been in, instructed by the leadership of Islamic State um, to return to their home countries and carry out attacks on their fellow citizens to continue the, the war at home. So my concern would be about... And, and, and you're right, and as I said to you, in her first interview, they were the very words she used, the fight still goes on. Yeah, and she's a highly manipulative, grandiose... Uh, okay, so where where do we stand legally? Okay, you, you mentioned that there are others. Now, some that, that have been suggested are wives of maybe naturalised citizens. We do have an option to say no to those and make them, well, not stateless because they probably have dual citizenship. But with Lisa Smith, we don't have an option, as the UK Home Secretary did with Shimima Begum, to turn around and say, well, actually, no, we don't want her back uh, because we can't make her stateless under the EU Convention. Isn't that, is that the case? Uh, that's as, as far as I'm aware. Now, I believe she uh, initially indicated that she did not want to return and that she wanted her her passport and and so on and so forth, but she didn't necessarily want to come back to Ireland. But I don't know if there's any other jurisdiction that would take her. I think if she went to the UK, um, she would be charged with offences because under their legislation, being a member of Islamic State or travelling to the Caliphate is a criminal offence. Um, but is, I, I, is it not a criminal offence in Ireland? Now, there, there was a complication in law here that, of course, we have the Special Criminal Court to deal with members of the IRA. Um, does that, now, it does cover other terrorist or illegal organisations as well. I mean, can she be taken to the Special Criminal Court under the word of a superintendent and be jailed uh, for being a member of ISIS? Or do we need to change legislation overnight to do that? I, I, I'd have to say as a layperson, because I don't have any legal qualifications, mm. so I just don't know. But my sense about that is... Um, and again, from my from my time in the defence forces back in during the troubles, uh, the, I think the offences would have to be uh, carried out uh, in this jurisdiction, right? Or okay. To be charged under that legislation, but I don't know. I really don't know. But my concern would be about the other Irish passport holders who are now free and will be seeking to return here without consular assistance, and who will be trying to get back to Ireland under the radar, as it it were. So you can imagine that she would have a lot of information that potentially would be of extreme value to uh, the UK authorities and to ourselves. But would she be much used to us? She doesn't, with the greatest respect, she doesn't seem like the brightest spark in the box. She'd know who these people are. She could identify mm. them. She could give names information, where they're from. But will she give? This This is the point. Well, I mean, is she going to turn her back well, on them? I don't think she will. Well, this is it. But I mean, look, she's out there with what they call an emergency civilian assistance team, which would have people from the Department of Foreign Affairs, members of Angarda Shiakana. They're the primary intelligence agents. But agents. mind you, that that's another thing, Tom. We spent a lot of money sending army rangers out, all these officials out, and realistically, yeah. we probably didn't need to, because the Turkish are probably going to stick her on a plane and send her home anyway, and deport yeah, well, her. I, 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 I did think that might happen. Uh, I, I said as much last week that there's a, there's a daily 
uh, non-stop flight from Istanbul to Dublin uh, run by Turkish Airlines to just put her on the flight. She can't get off it. Yeah. Um, and she's home and she's our problem. But the thing about it is, uh, if you think about this, I-, I would say there's a very interesting conversation taking place at the moment between herself and, this, uh, and the guards, particularly. Because when she comes home, she can't go back to Dundalk because... Um, there were two people from Dundalk caught up in the Bataclan theatre attack. One of them was shot and was lucky to survive. I don't think she'd be welcome back in Dundalk. Um, so where is she going to live? She's going to become homeless. Um, so I think she might be offered certain supports from the Department of Social Protection in return for information and intelligence on other uh, other English-speaking jihadis. In much the same way that Angarda Shiakana uh, cultivate. Uh, informants and intelligence sources in organised crime and within dissident Republican groups. I, I would imagine that's the, the route that has been considered. And you, you said at the very top there that you didn't personally think that she was much of a threat. I, I don't think so either. Um, although, <laughs> you know, we, we could we could be held, give, give a mm-hmm. hostage to fortune there. She could, she could do something. But I really think uh, it's it's her intelligence value that we have to think about and also the humanitarian component of this. Like, we're, we're not Islamic State. If she was handed back over to the Syrians, and Syria is now de facto under the control of, of President Assad with his Russian supporters, she would be uh, tortured and summarily executed and God knows what would happen to her child. I mean, it's so, not, as I mentioned earlier on, I'm not so much concerned about her personally and what she could physically do. I am concerned about the information she has. I am concerned about her, what she will encourage other people to do. But I'm equally concerned, Tom, when you talk to us about other individuals that may be there, who may be naturalised Irish people who will be coming back to, uh, to Ireland, um, who could be a great threat to us. That's it, and that's where she, she might be able to assist us in that regard. Mm-hmm. But she's also of use to us uh, in understanding how people got radicalised online because a certain amount of it is online grooming that takes place where they target you know, vulnerable young well, men. Well, I think we're aware of the fact that she, she left the army and she had mental health problems, went through a few relationships and she obviously had difficulties in life and she was a vulnerable person I suppose. Yeah, so these are the, the classic uh, profile of people that they, they target and young men and women who, who want to self-actualise in, in a particular way. So, But at some point then there would have been a face-to-face meeting in a particular madrasa, a religious school or... and So it would be useful to know um, which mosques or religious schools and uh, madrasas and most a lot of these are informal unofficial ones um, did what did she make contact with these radical elements in can she name any of them can she identify them who were the fixers and the handlers who got her into turkey uh, who got her out of the camp at, uh, and isa and into the turkish held area and, and and back into turkey proper if that's where she is like all of this information even though, as you say, she might not be the sharpest knife in the box, mm-hmm. but she would have information that would be of of, of high value to the authorities. And, uh, you know, we, we, we had an awful summer, 2016. Hundreds of European Union citizens were, were, were killed in attacks all across Europe. In 2018, with the collapse of the caliphate, we only had 12 fatalities in Europe in the whole of 2018, down from hundreds and hundreds. And my fear would be that because of the U.S. foreign policy decision to abandon Syria, um, we, we could be looking at a return to violence in European cities as these foreign fighters come back because they have nowhere else to go. The, the foreign fighters cannot... They, st- they still have their agenda, yes. Yeah, but they, and, and unlike other members of Islamic State, the Syrians and the, and the Iraqis, they can't melt back into the population. They have to go. And they've nowhere else to go except go home. They can't go to North Africa. They can't go to Asia. 
So they come back into Europe, uh, back to their home places, using the networks that got them out there in the first place, and their instructions are to carry out attacks and continue the, 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 the struggle. So that's, that's the problem, mm, okay. that's where the threat is, and where she fits into that is she could be an invaluable source of intelligence in trying to identify some of these people. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed. It's been very informative. Thanks for talking to us. Thank uh, you, uh, Dr. Tom Cl- uh, Clonan, who is a security analyst and columnist uh, with Journal.ie. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.